Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Canva presents Unexplained Appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Hey, friends. Thanks for downloading another weekly episode of the Money Girl podcast. My name is Laura Adams. I'm a personal finance author, speaker, and consumer advocate who's been producing this show since 2008. April is Financial Literacy Month, and to celebrate here on the show, I am bringing you a series of interviews with experts from a variety of fields and topics. And today, I've got a great show for you. If you are interested in behavioral finance and kind of the psychology behind handling money, I think you'll find today's show really interesting. Behavioral finance is actually the study of how psychology affects how you handle money, and it allows for the fact that we don't always act rationally, and our emotions and our biases strongly influence what we do and what we don't do with our personal finances. So I wanted to interview Sherry Fitz about this topic. Sherry is a really interesting person because she's an author, an entrepreneur. She's got more than 30 years of experience in the financial services industry and also in marketing and psychology. She's the owner of Shoe Fitz Marketing, and she does a lot of speaking, and she's also got her own podcast called Women Rocking Wall Street. Sherry brings a lot of great tips in this episode, and she really reminds us that success comes from having the right habits, attitude, and mindset. So we talk about a lot of different things in this interview, but mainly it's about some of the driving forces that are behind the decisions that are really critical for building wealth and living the life that you dream of. Some of the topics we cover include the role that inertia plays in our financial success or lack of success. We talk about how aversion to loss can trip up investors. We talk about making the leap from employee to being self-employed. That's something that Sherry and I have both done. We talk about tips for becoming a sought-after influencer or speaker in your field. We talk about why everyone, even employees, should create their own personal brand. And we talk about the benefits of using a coach to stay accountable and achieve goals, which is something that Sherry has done successfully. So I think you'll really enjoy the conversation. This is episode number 588 called Behavioral Finance, Tips for Success with Money, Work, and Life. Okay, here's the interview with Sherry Fitz. Sherry, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's great to be here, Laura. Thanks for having me. 
Tell me a little bit about your background. I know you have a very diverse background in financial services, and then you eventually made the leap to start your own business. How did you make that leap? And was that something that was difficult to do or did it seem pretty natural? Well, I'll tell you. So I'd been in financial services for, I'd probably say, maybe about 20 years or so, and probably like many mid-level career women in financial services, I said, out of here. And uh, I think that's one kind of symptom of financial services. But the other part of it is, is that I got my AARP card in the mail. And I had said to many people around me, when I'm grown up, I want to be a speaker and do my own thing. And I got my AARP card and I went, I guess... I guess this is my permission slip to do this. And I immediately went to a really strong, bold, you know, kick aspirations coach. And I said, listen, Victoria, your job for the next six months is to make sure that I do not chicken out. And so I set myself a date of, you know, November 1st is the day that I told you know, the people. And then December 1st was the day that I would leave that organization. And, um, and then I just kind of closed my eyes and jumped. So it was difficult. I mean, I was mid-level in financial services, wonderful little golden handcuffs, but I really didn't want to be one of those people that kept saying, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this and never did it. Yeah, I think that's so key. If you think about your life and you think, well, if I don't do this, I'm going to regret it. And, and you know deep in your heart that you're going to regret it, that means you have to do it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just am somebody that doesn't like regret, and that has prompted me to take a lot of leaps in my life. So that's really interesting. You're doing a lot of things that are very near and dear to my heart. Money, marketing, entrepreneurism, those are all things that that I just really, really love. So tell me about what it was like building a brand? And and what does that mean to you? Well, I will say that if I go back before I decided to make the leap, it was 2008. And I was running marketing for a retirement plan channel at an insurance company here in Portland. And I so I had a job. In fact, people thought I got paid by the pamphlet because I kept churning out all this information, pretty much telling people don't panic, don't panic. But, you know, in a, a variety of different ways. And but but what happened was people started coming to me um, wanting to have lunch or, you know, coffee or happy hour or whatever it is to network. And it, it became very apparent that they didn't have a job because the economy went and I at that particular point said, okay, I need to start building my network and my personal brand so that if I am in, ever in a position like that, that I have, you know, I've got something more than just always going to people, hi, let's have coffee. So I intentionally started becoming more visible in my industry in 2008 and becoming more visible on LinkedIn in particular and really looking at my job as serving me instead of me serving my job. Now, let me tell you that that benefited my employer because I became extraordinarily active in the industry that I was in and they in turn got more visibility within that industry. So it was a win-win. But I started that process of a personal brand well before I started my, my, you know, my company, Shoe Fits Marketing, 
And I'll tell you that that was 2008 and 2010, I was downsized out of a job. But the work that I had done on my personal brand um, served me very well. I had four job offers within three weeks. So it served me very well. And I didn't use that time to jump into doing my own thing, although I kept having that calling because I've had the calling since 2003, right, to, you know, be a speaker and do my own thing. But that next job that I took on, the reason why I selected that above all the other jobs was because of the industry visibility again, just another kind of pile on to my personal branding. So I'm very bullish on even if you have a job creating a personal brand um, because it's going to serve you in so many different ways that you don't necessarily anticipate. So when I talk to people about branding, it's I, it, to me, in my mind, it is what people say about you when you're not in the room. That's what, you know, branding is, personal brand or business brand. That's what brand means to me. Yeah, I love that. I, I resonate deeply with that because I had a similar situation where I really was building my own brand while working for an employer. And it is truly a win-win. You know, there's no reason why an employer would have an issue with you, uh, you know, becoming more visible. So I would encourage anybody who is sort of in that position where they're they're not quite sure if they want to make that leap into um, being a brand, just do go for it. I think it, it can just benefit you in so many ways. So what are some tips, let's say maybe one or two digital marketing tips that you could give to anybody who is, let's say, self-employed now, or maybe they want to be self-employed, or maybe they want to take their small business to the next level? What are you seeing that's really working for your clients? Well, I would say, and you understand this, Laura, because you um, epitomize, the, epitomize this, um, transparency, authenticity, those are things that people value in the digital space. And we all can kind of see people who are working it. And, you know, so the, the big thing that I try to help people understand is that the more, <laughs> the more they are themselves, the more appealing they will be, the more differentiated they will be the more unique they will be, the more authentic they will be. So I think we have this idea of what's expected of us and what we're supposed to be like in this business environment. And the fact is, is that the more we can be ourselves and, you know, follow our heart and our soul and our purpose in life, the more we'll be able to stand out. And it's a really kind of a weird thing because you think I'm just supposed to look like everybody else and, you know, dress like everybody else and be everything else. That's not the case. So I would say first, you know, there's no one newer than you. And that was Dr. Seuss, not me. And then now that you know that there's no one newer than you, where are your people? And your people are not everywhere. They're, they're not, they're not, they're not all, you know, all your people are not going to be on five different social platforms. So they're not going to be on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. They're heavy. You know, we all kind of have heavy uses. And so what I would start to do is understand who do you serve? Who do you want to show the most love to? And then you need to pick that platform that those people exist on as kind of a the, your digital platform for starting, right? And then the only other thing I would say is in addition to that, do not <laughs> underestimate the power of an email list because I think we all think we all get too much email and the fact of the matter is is that if you sit up for a minute when you're grocery shopping and waiting to pay and you look around, 
Nobody else is looking around. They are looking at their phone. And so now our emails are in their back pocket or their purse at all times. So you got to be you. You got to find a platform where you want to share your love and where those people are. And then you got to always grow, grow, grow your email list. Yeah, great advice. So, Sherry, let's say somebody is listening and they say, well, I want to be a speaker. I want to do that. How do you how do you get speaking gigs? Well, okay. so the first thing is let's go back to 2008. And I just started throwing myself at anything and everything, giving any opportunity where I volunteered. I would offer to introduce other speakers. Um, I was, you know, part of an industry event. I would offer to be a moderator. So I started kind of doing those little things. I was, I volunteered to be the executive director of the Portland female executive. So I stood up every week, you know, got to practice speaking for 10 minutes. So I started participating, but not necessarily saying I'm going to be the keynote, but I started just working on that side. So that's the first thing Two, I was very fortunate that my father was very involved in Toastmasters. And as an eighth grade young girl, he took me to the adult level Toastmasters class. So I think speaking is obviously having the guts to get up in front and then, you know, and continuing to do it and then working on how you move around the room, how you speak, how you eliminate the nervous tics and the ums and ahs and all those kind of things. Toastmasters can help with that as well. It gets you in both of those places. The other thing I think a lot of people say to me is, okay, so how do you get, you know, how do you get speaking gigs? It seems like every speaking gig I get begets another speaking gig. But I will tell you, Laura, that there are three things that I can do in order to get speaking gigs, which is one, kick aspirations when I'm on the stage, two, write really compelling content, and three, right, pick up the phone and call people and ask, which if I'm you know, being honest with you, the third one sometimes just kind of doesn't necessarily happen as often as it should. Right. And if you've got a personal brand, then, you know, a lot of times those requests are going to come inbound to you, which is Mm -hmm. one of the reasons for building that brand in the first place. You don't really have to market quite so hard when you've got that name recognition, right? Right. You don't. And that's kind of what the thing is about marketing and branding is it's in my mind, how I view it, it is its um, job is to sweep the path for sales. So when you are unique, when you provide something of value, when people really know that you're there to serve them and then you can do that in an articulate manner, it will happen. You will get invited to speak and then slowly but surely every speaking gig will beget another speaking gig. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. 
That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Hey there, I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, Freakonomics Radio. Every week, host and best-selling author Stephen Dubner dives into the hidden side of business, economics, and so much more. He interviews CEOs, historians, and Nobel laureates to explore all kinds of topics, like why the best employees can make the worst bosses, and how whales went from being economic engines to environmental icons. If you're a curious person looking to better understand the world around you, you'll find everything you're looking for on Freakonomics Radio. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to me a little bit about some of the behavioral issues that we kind of bump up against as consumers. What are some of the key issues that prevent us from making progress in our financial lives? Well, and I would say that this is the big one in our lives in general. So even, Laura, if we go back and to say in 2008 versus now and all that kind of stuff, the biggest thing that I look out for in my life is this idea of inertia which is things at rest, stay at rest, things in motion, stay in motion. And when we look at making shifts in our financial life, that one of the things that gets in our way the most is inertia, meaning just a small act of, we'll just say like investing $100 a month, somehow that just seems to be so overwhelming because it's easier for us not to do something. It's easier for us to just not, you know, participate. We can make up all the, you know, there's all this paperwork that we have to do, all of that kind of stuff. Inertia gets in our way so much. I think the other one is when you think about, okay, so, all right, now I I do think I can overcome this idea of inertia, but then, and this is where you help a lot. Where do I go? What do I do? There's so many choices. I have no idea. And we let that multitude of issues we have to deal with before getting to our goal, get in our way analysis paralysis. And, you know, and I think that the, the final thing is, is when we see this idea of active saving a hundred dollars, it's interesting that we feel that as a loss instead of a gain for our future. And when we feel losses, we feel them twice as hard as gains. So, you know, you got all these ways that your brain is playing tricks on you. And this is like, you know, codified into academic research, behavioral finance, they get in the way of doing things that we know we should be doing. And then we get all this shame about it because we're not doing anything. And what I just try to tell people is, listen, this is like academically proven. You just need to be aware that inertia, analysis, paralysis, and fear of loss are gonna raise their head and gnarl at you. And you just need to kind of keep walking forward. Yeah, that's why automation in, in our financial lives is so powerful. When you get that going and the inertia is there to make that transfer from your, your checking into your IRA or, or from your paycheck into your 401k or into your savings account, it's happening and you don't even have to think about it. So I think we can let that automation be our friend. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the loss, uh, the thought of a loss. I had a really big shift in my mindset when I realized that when I started saving money, I wasn't really saving. I was actually buying a better future. Ooh, I like 
That is, I'm going to, thank you for that. That's in my back pocket now. (laughs) Yeah. So thinking about, okay, so maybe I'm not spending this money on a new pair of shoes or something else that would give me some immediate, um, you know, joy, but I'm I'm buying my future. So if we can think about it that way, it it just is a matter of reframing, um, reframing some of these transactions in our mind. And I think that can make all the difference. So yeah, thank you for reminding Mm -hmm. us about some of those just human conditions that that hold us back. Um, I think we have to find ways around them. You have to figure out what stumbles you up and then figure out how to solve it. And for, for us, it's we're all different. So what's a barrier for one person is going to be, you know, not even going to apply to another person. So you have to figure out what is holding you back and work around it. This an idea of inertia, even if you decide that you kind of want to leave corporate America and do your own thing, trust me, that's why I said, listen, for the next six months, I don't care <laughs> if I scream or yell or whatever it is, I need you to get me through this time of feeling overwhelmed and you know, all that kind of stuff and um, help me barrel through this inertia because it was certainly good enough where I was. Yeah, that's terrific. We all need some accountability. Sherry, thank you so much for being on the show and for having me on your podcast (laughs) just a few minutes ago. We just did a recording for Women Rocking Wall Street, and I want to thank you for having me on the show. Tell us a little bit about that show and, and what you're trying to accomplish. So Women Rocking Wall Street is dedicated to helping women survive and thrive in the male dominated industry of financial services. So, very niche. But I really want to, after being in this industry for nearly 30 years, I feel compelled to be of service and to be almost like a mobile mentor for people in the financial services industry. Um, So I talk about things like learning how to do gender judo. And then, you know, our conversation with you today was really about creating a platform and dealing with the gremlins that might come up when you create platforms. So I have women and men on my show that are doing things to help people in our industry and are doing research to, you know, help promote and support women in financial services. Sherry, thank you so much for your advice and great words of wisdom today. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, Laura. I hope you found this interview helpful. I think some takeaways for me are that you should never expect other people to take responsibility for your financial dreams and goals, not even your partner or spouse. No one will make you happy or achieve your goals for you. It's all on you. So building your own brand and taking away any barriers to making sure that you can achieve your goals is key. And if you haven't gotten started with that, all you got to do is start now. And I think if you focus on the journey of becoming successful, you know, that excitement of discovery, learning and improving, instead of just on the destination or the results, I think you'll have more fun along the way and probably stay more motivated to make any necessary sacrifices. The bottom line is that being successful is a combination of your mindset, attitudes, habits, and behaviors. All of those together shape your destiny. 
Thanks so much for downloading the show. Keep listening, learning, and leveraging your resources to grow richer every single day. And if you want to get on my email list for more tips and advice, just send me a text. You can text get updates with no space to the number 33444 or visit lauradadams.com. The email I send is a really short one. It's just filled with tips and some tools and resources that I think you'll enjoy. And if you've got a money question, feedback about the show, or ideas for future episodes, I'd love to hear from you. You can visit my contact page at lauradadams.com to email me, or you can leave a voicemail message at 302-364-0308. Money Girl is produced by the audio wizard Steve Rickyberg with editorial support from the lovely Beata Santora. If you've been enjoying the podcast, we would love it if you would just take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That's a really easy and free way to give back to the show and show your support. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at quickanddirtytips.com. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, here's to living a richer life. We'll be right back.